Alright, something I've found to be weird, and maybe one of you guys can help me figure this out, is how at the entryway for most of the poker rooms in Las Vegas, they have a sign that says, Check raising is permitted in this poker room. What the hell is that all about? Was there seriously a time where players weren't allowed to check raise? They probably outlawed it because all of the nitty old men got bitter when tourists came into the game and check raised them too much. Well, fortunately for us, we're allowed to check raise however much we want to in PLO. Which is a good thing because when used properly, check raising makes you a much tougher player to play against. Similar to the floating strategy described earlier, the main players to target are the ones who see bet too much. Check raising against these players makes sense because when you pull the trigger and take down the pot, you pick up the dead money from their c-bet in the process. Another benefit of check raising is that assuming there's a c-bet on the flop, check raising allows you to get the money in much faster than if you only called. Remember how in lesson 2, we talked about how the positional advantage decreases as the SPR gets smaller? Well, check raising and getting the money in quick prevents us from making a mistake on later streets, and also gives us some fold equity along with our semi-bluff, which results in more long-term profit. Also, check-raising buys you free cards in the future, because the natural adjustment against players that are capable of check-raising light is to start checking back more often. This really works to our advantage, because once they start checking back more flops, that means they're giving you the chance to realize your equity out of position, which if you remember again from Lesson 2, is one of the things you're not supposed to be able to do when you're out of position. We'll talk more about check-raising the turn in Lesson 12. But for now, realize that especially on later streets, it's very important that your opponents know that you're capable of check-raising later streets for this exact reason. Now, the last thing I want to cover before we move on is that in regards to check-raising, the number of opponents in the hand makes a big difference for both if and how often you check-raise, in addition to what hands you choose to do it with. You'll get a better feel for what I'm talking about after we go over the hand histories and the next few slides. But for now, just realize that the majority of your check-raise bluffs will be in heads-up pots, because there's more good opportunities for it since it's more likely that your opponents will c-bet, as well as the reduced chance they actually flopped something good enough to continue against your check-raise. On the other hand, the majority of check-raises in multi-way pots will be for the purpose of getting the money in fast with a strong made hand, or because you have a big draw and are trying to maximize your fold equity. So now that we know why check raising is profitable and which opponent types to target, what kind of board texture should we be looking for to pull the trigger on? Before we get any further, there's a couple of things that we need to establish. The first one being that on this slide, we're only talking about check raise bluffing, not check raising when we actually have the stones. It's not that check raising with the stones is necessarily bad on these boards, but I want to save the part about check raising with equity for later on. For now, let's look at a few different board textures that are good candidates for check raise bluffing. Monotone boards are good for check-raising because hands that aren't flushes are drawing practically dead, which translates into most players giving up pretty easily when they're faced with some aggression. Check-raising with a set on monotone boards is also a good option because you have one of the few hands that actually has equity on a monotone board, which accompanied with the fold equity from your check-raise can be a very profitable line to take. Now, something that's very important to note though is that the dynamic on monotone boards changes dramatically as you develop history with someone. As we learned in Lesson 8, the play dynamic on static boards is very frequency driven, so once two players get to the level where they both know that the other probably doesn't have a flush, you'll be forced to get more creative if you're trying to make them fold. And like monotone boards, paired boards are good for check-raise bluffing because besides trips, there aren't many hands that have enough equity to call you, that is, assuming they think you have trips. And also, similar to monotone boards, the dynamic, and therefore the lines you take on paired boards, changes dramatically once you develop history with a player. Also, 
Most players won't give you nearly as much credit when you check raise on a deuce deuce 4 board compared to when you check raise on a jack jack 8 board. So don't just fire at the hip for no reason, or in other words, make sure your bluff actually makes sense. So we know that check raising paired and monotone boards works well, but what happens when players start to pick up on our strategy and adjust by rebluffing and calling us down lighter? Well, in my opinion, we should look for more boards that fit our requirements. Remember, we're looking for boards that players c-bet with a high frequency, but that don't flop equity on very often. High-low-low boards fit this requirement perfectly, and even though boards like this provide more equity to players than the textures we covered last slide, there's still a very wide range of hands that people will fold. Any pair below the top card is drawing poorly against the top pair with side cards, and additionally, players won't just peel you with a wide range because of the threat of future bets. High-low-low boards are much different than high-high-low boards because the latter contains straight draws that are more likely to be in the ranges of hands that people open with preflop. It's also important to point out that you're not limited to check-raising only air on these boards. For example, if you have a pair and a straight draw on any of these boards, both check-raising and donk-betting on these boards is a good line to take depending on their c-betting tendencies. Other boards that are cash money to check-raise are the lockdown boards, which as explained by Phil Galfond, are boards where there are very few hands that have equity against the current nuts. Now, up to this point, we've covered the different opponents and board textures that meet the requirements for good check-raising opportunities, but there's something else that you can use to increase the success, success rate of your check-raises, as well as your overall hand-reading skills. What you should do is start paying attention to the PFRs of your opponents and how their opening ranges fit into each board texture. Let's use an easy example to give you a better idea of what I'm talking about. Let's say a solid regular that's playing a 22-15 opens from under the gun. What do you think his under the gun opening range consists of? Mostly big single suited and double suited pairs, as well as the premium connected rundowns, right? Well, that means that it's probably not a good idea to check raise bluff the boards that have a lot of broadways. Up to this point, we've spent a lot of time talking about when you should be looking to check-raise with air. But we don't always need air to check-raise, do we? What about the times when we're out of position and flop a small piece, or have some backdoor equity that we want to realize? Should we check-raise then? The short answer to all of those questions is yes, definitely. Especially when you have a blocker to the nuts on the board, or you have some backdoor draws to go along with a pair on the board, check-raising is a viable option, because like we've said before, it's always better to bluff with equity than without equity. For example, let's say we have King-Queen-Jack-10 single-suited on a 10-4-5 rainbow board. Especially in heads-up pots, these are the types of boards that get c-bet almost always, but there's not too many hands that can continue against a check-raise. Even overpairs are in a tough spot facing a check-raise, because you're representing a set, a big draw, or two pair, which they're either flipping or slightly ahead of. And on the one hand, you're forcing them to make a mistake by folding away their equity on the flop, but on the other hand, calling your check-raise puts them in many awkward turn spots, because most people don't check-raise and then check-fold the turn very often. Put more simply, the threat of future bets is very powerful. Besides, even if we get called, any diamond, 10, 9, 8, ace, king, queen, or jack are cards that give us more equity and allow us to keep barreling away. The next example is similar, except this time we don't have a pair, and yet we still have a wide range of cards that we can continue to barrel. Again. The main point you want to focus on here is the fact that board textures like this get c-bet a high percentage of the time, but the continuing ranges of your opponents are pretty narrow facing a check-raise. And just like the last hand, 
There's a variety of turn cards that we can continue to stay aggressive on. Any diamond, heart, deuce, ace, eight, jack, or ten are good for us. Add this on top of our fold equity, and you have a very profitable check raise scenario. Hey, what's going on, guys? Casino Crime here. Now, if you like this video and you want more, then go ahead and click the subscribe button below right now. And if you want to join me for more of my six max success secrets and free video tutorials, just click the link to the right. See you inside the trainings. Good luck.